Well, Ross is going to read our psalm this evening, which, which is Psalm 132. Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrathah, We came upon it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons shall sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people shall ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. Thanks so much, Ross. And I'm going to welcome Rui um, to come up and explain that to us. Thanks, Rui. I don't know about you, but I am constantly seeing courses about leadership in different places. How to lead an organization, how to lead churches, how to lead uh, an, a finance team out into a post-COVID world. I am constantly seeing adverts for leadership courses. And I think our world is crying out for leaders. It is crying out for somebody who will show people the way, who will guide them through these tricky paths that we have in lives, which is, which is why we have so many courses about leadership. We are crying out for leaders to, to lead us with integrity, to, to deliver on their promises. But isn't it just so true that worldly leaders are such a disappointment? They promise so much. They promise us the moon and the stars and everything in between and deliver so little for us. Worldly leaders come and go. They're there for a time and then they're gone. And they are so flawed. As a, as a leader at work, I know that I am flawed when I lead the charity I work at. Wouldn't it be great if we had a leader who would be present forever and who could deliver on his promises? Well, it's probably going to be no surprise to you that actually we do have that sort of leader to follow. 
And what we're going to do is as we go through this psalm, Psalm 132, which is one of the psalms we've been looking at this summer, it's a a psalm of ascent. It is one of the psalms that Jews, as they go up to Jerusalem for the three major festivals they have each year, would have sung. There were pilgrimage psalms to remind them of things that God had done and about his character as they came up to worship him at the temple. They're still doing it today. This psalm would have been sung at the time of Solomon. It would have been sung at the time of the exile, when there was no temple, when they were a a nation that were in the midst of captivity, with oppressors over them, not able to do what they wanted to do, but still wanting the presence of the king to be with them. And we need to be convinced today that we need to have that sort of king as well. We face stuff today as well. We heard it this morning when Phil was talking about the pressures that we have in this world today. We need a king and a leader who can handle all of those things with his eyes shut. When we face the sorts of things we face at school or at work or at college or in our families, We need the promised presence of God, our King. We need him for our lives today, and we need him for our lives going forward until he comes again in glory. And so, we're going to look at Psalm 132. I'm hoping that you've got that open in front of you. And we're going to look at it because it sort of divides up into two sections, a prayer and a promise, But also within those two sections, there are two themes that sort of weave their way through both of them as we look at them. And they are about God's presence and God's king. They come through both sections. So do have your Bibles open as we have a look at that. And the first section we look at is verses 1 to 10. In verses 1 to 10, we see that David is making an oath to the Lord. He's making a promise about what he's going to do for God. Now... I get really excited about God's word and how it weaves together across the whole of scripture. And I would like you just to keep your, yourselves looking at this passage. Look at verses particularly 8, 9, and 10 as I just read something from two chronicles. Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Lord, do not reject your anointed one. They're the same words from two chronicles that we see in that psalm. Exactly the same words. One or two differences, but that's probably due to the translation of the words rather than the meaning. The bit in 2 Chronicles is where Solomon dedicates the new temple so that God's presence can be with his people. It's a, it's a great chapter. If you do get to read it, go and have a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 6. But it's all about God's presence being with his people. And, and Solomon praising God for the fact that he's kept his promises and his ark has come into the temple. And God's presence is there with his people. 
But to get to that point, to get to that point, David had to humble himself. You look at verses 2 to 5 in our psalm. He swore an oath, that's David, to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. David is promising that he will not do anything else as king until he's established the place for God to live amongst his people. And then we go on to verses 6, 7, and on from there, through to 10. And this is just a summary of what you see in 1 Chronicles 13. In there, you see the story of how David, when he was trying to set this temple up, they didn't know where the ark was. The ark had been lost. But they came across it in these fields of Jah. He heard about it when he was in Bethlehem, which is Ephrathah. In verse 6. 1 Chronicles 13 tells you the story of where this ark was lost, where it was found, and about the temple being built to house the ark. David kept his promise to God to build this place for God's presence to be there amongst his people. And that's why later, when Solomon builds the next temple, that he can sing this as well. And it's sung afterwards in the exile. And it's sung today. It's sung today. But it's sung today mainly because of verse 10 for us. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. And we'll come back to that in a second. So the next section from verses 11 to 18. This is the Lord's promise to David. So it's the other way around. It sort of flips around the oath. This is God's promise to God's people. And I just want you to look at the, the difference between verses 9 and 16. In verse 9, that's David talking. He says, may your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. But in verse 16, when God speaks... He says, I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people shall ever sing for joy. Throughout this next section, this promise of God is fulfilled. And the promise is that one of David's descendants would be the promised and longed for king. And we know that this is fulfilled in Jesus. I don't need to tell you that if you look right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, you can see it there. You can see that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the town of David. You can see it throughout his trial and crucifixion. Throughout that time, he was welcomed into Jerusalem as a king. Through his trial, he was accused of being the king of the Jews. And when he was finally nailed to the cross... The charge written above his head was king of the Jews. Throughout the Gospels, all the Gospel writers, all those who followed Jesus at that time, there was no doubt in Jesus' kingship that he was the anointed one 
that's promised and fulfilled in this psalm. So that's hugely encouraging for us, isn't it? That we have a promise-keeping God. We see it partially fulfilled in Jesus, but we have more promises of him coming again, of Jesus returning to earth in the future. And we know that we can trust those promises because he's already kept these. So there we have those two sections, the prayer and the promise. But I said there were two themes that sort of weave their way through both of these. And what you'll see in these verses is there are some repeated words and repeated phrases like dwelling or place or resting place. Throughout this whole psalm, they talk about where God can live with his people. And I just want to turn to John's gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or John chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Jesus answered him, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. In this psalm, they were looking towards a temple that was a physical place, a place in Jerusalem that they could make this pilgrimage to. But actually for us, that temple doesn't exist it isn't like Phil said today it isn't this room it isn't the the tin over this or the brick around the outside of this building the temple is different God made his dwelling among us through Jesus and actually later on in 1 Corinthians we our bodies are called the the place where God resides. Or it, later on in, in Corinthians as well, it talks about the local church being where the presence of God is felt. We as believers, as the church, are where people see God dwelling today. Now, you might look at me, you might look at me and say, actually, the, the roof of this dwelling is looking a little bit more threadbare and the walls are sort of pushing out a bit on the edges, not like they used to. But actually, it's the inside of us that matters. It's the place where God's spirit resides in us that matters. God always looks, not at the outside, but at the inside. So that is today where God's presence is. God's presence is in us individually and in us as a church and in the wider church as well. It says that in Ephesians chapter 2. But we can also look forward to a new place where we will see God's presence. We can look forward to the new Jerusalem coming down and being here on earth. This new kingdom that we have promised again in God's word. God's presence here forever 
with us. But the other theme that runs through all of these verses in this psalm are those of a king. You can look through these words and you can see throne and enthroned regularly coming through in the words here. This is about King Jesus as well. He's of David's line and God's promises come true in him. He is the most humble king that has ever lived. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. He came as a king 2,000 years ago and he is going to come again in the future. So today as we live through this present reality with our king, we know that we have an ultimate ruler with absolute power working for us. That's not to say, again, picking up on some of the things that Phil said this morning, that we can control what this king does for us. But his victory over everything we could face, over every challenge that we might experience in whatever sphere of life, is certain. He has obtained the victory for us through his death that we've just celebrated. Verses 17 to 18 tell us that this is what's going to happen. Here I will make a horn, and that is a strong one, a king, grow for David, and set up a lamp for my anointed one, for Jesus. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. Our future is to have this king with us. In Hebrews, it says that he's already exalted to the right hand of the Father. In Revelations, it says that he will rule all nations. He will come to establish his kingdom forever. He is able to right all the wrongs and to bring perfect justice and perfect peace. That's the sort of king that these pilgrims were looking forward to. One that would do all of these amazing things that we see in our Lord Jesus. And so if we bring those two together, we could sing this psalm ourselves. We could, as we make a pilgrimage to to church on a Sunday or to wherever we might go, we could sing this psalm ourselves and we could talk of God's promises that his presence will be with us. That his king will rule. Can you just imagine singing this song now? Can you imagine singing about establishing God's kingdom? It has already been established, but there is so much more to come. Can you imagine singing Let your king reign forever and ever. Well, when we sing this psalm, when we talk about these words, we can pray for God's dwelling to be established here on earth through us, through us individually 
and through us as a church. And we can have such confidence, such confidence, because our God is a promise-keeping God. But do we know this deep down? These people, as they were going up to Jerusalem, would sing this psalm to remind themselves constantly of these truths about God and about who he is and about what he was doing for them. I'd encourage you to do the same. I'd encourage you to look at this psalm. Look at all of the psalms and see the character of God. See how he can walk with you through life day by day and all the struggles that you will face. Becky was just sharing a story about how one of her colleagues at work, who isn't a Christian, but is Jewish, and therefore has these psalms as part of what she is going through, that when she needed to hear what, how to cope with a situation, Becky was able to point her to, a psalm, to psalms as a way of being encouraged. Earthly leaders will not be there forever. They'll not be able to deliver on all of the promises that they, ha- that they, they give to us. Ultimately, they will disappoint, whether that's even a church leader or a youth leader. The only leader we need, the only king we need is Jesus. He will reign forever and will never leave us. He is perfect and will never make a mistake. He will never disappoint and never let us down. And he establishes his presence in us today through his spirit. So that his kingdom will be seen through us and in the world around us. So let's sing this psalm and know that we can live because we have the promised presence of Jesus our king in us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your words. We want to thank you for these psalms. We want to thank you that we have, we've got the ability to meet here and talk about who you are and what you've done in life. Thank you that we have the promised presence already of Jesus our King, and we have more to come. Lord, help us to live in the light of that. Help us to live in the reassurance of that, in the solidity that that gives us in our lives. Help us to live that in a way that brings you glory and you praise from those around us who see us living in the light of your promised presence. Father, help us to do that in your son's most precious name. Amen.